White Sox. White Sox. Go, 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 go. Call your sons. Call your daughters. Holy cow. You can't put it on the board. Yes. Yes. Well, it's a perfect game. Win Echo. Grand Slam. A White Sox winner and a world championship. Jimenez. He's your hero tonight. Thanks, Cubs. The dynamic duo of Herb Lawrence and Chris Tannehill. Those two are like a tag team, you know. Come with me to Southside of Chicago. Hi, this is Jim Tomey, and the best White Sox talk is on Locked On Sox Podcast with Tanny and Herb. Hello, and welcome back to Locked On Sox. My name is Herb Lawrence. You can follow me on Twitter. It is at Ecknerwall23. That is Lawrence, spelled backwards, with the number two, three behind it. And Chris Tannehill can be at Chris Tannehill on Twitter, and we are at Locked On Sox on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. If you want to leave us a voice message, 312-566-8727. 312-566-8727 is the way you can leave a voice message. Or LockedOnSocks at gmail.com is the way you can leave an email. Chris, you're about to go out of town. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. The White Sox are doing even better. The White Sox win. Print the banner. Line up the parade. Michigan Avenue on the Studge Turtle Bridge Division Street. Let's go. It's episode 273 of Locked on White Sox, and we are brought to you by Locked on MLB Prospects. It's MLB draft season, and Locked on MLB Prospects podcast is covering every future star of Major League Baseball host Aram Layton brings you player interviews and farm system breakdowns every day. Subscribe to Locked On MLB Prospects on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Full disclosure, we are taping as the draft is going on currently, so we'll, of course, cover it later on in the week. Uh, Some news items here before we get to the things that happen on the field. Our guy, T.A., found his way to the All-Star game in Denver. It's his first All-Star selection after Frank Thomas was pounding the table for him last week. Carlos Correa backs out to be with family, and a spot opened up for T.A. Just how exciting is this that uh, that our guy is going to be able to be in Denver, and we're going to have a position player in the All-Star game. Not the way we'd have, we would have drawn it up going into the season, but he's there nonetheless. That's pretty cool. It's really cool, and like forever, Tim Anderson will be called Tim Anderson All-Star. That's always going to be following him in his, lo- in his lifelong career. It's awesome to play baseball in the major leagues. To be professional baseball player at any point in the minors or the majors is awesome. To be a starter in the major leagues, also awesome. But to reach the pinnacle of your individual success as being an all-star, I know winning MVP is a little bit more, but being an all-star is something he strived for, something that we haven't seen. As you were just alluded to, White Sox have been not really great in first round picks for a long time until Tim Anderson came along. And this is going to be a feather in the cap of Rick Hahn, of Hostedler or uh, Doug Lauman and all the guys Kenny, who picked. Kenny at the time, yeah. And, and Kenny Williams, yeah, who picked Tim Anderson. Uh, took a took a risk. I mean, yeah. this guy's a, a converted basketball player who just started playing baseball as a junior in base in high school and took him from a small community college, saw something in him and developed the kid to be an all star. The White Sox need to take a bow Tim Anderson needs to take a bow for what they have done with this player. And he's an all star. And that's 
It's unbelievable. It's beyond words. Congratulations to him. And I know you had correspondence with him, too. I did. I'll, I'll share with uh, with what I said to T.A. and what he said back to me in just a little bit. But here's Tim in his own words talking about what this means for him to be in the All-Star game. Very dope experience. So, man, I'm very excited. You know, I've been working, been working, man, and, uh, you know, finally be able to you know, get recognized and get the recognition, uh, you know, definitely is, is a dope feeling. Um, you know, man, for me to just continue to, you know, uh, you know, show up to the ballpark every day to get better, uh, to continue to, to work and, uh, you know, not complain about anything, about, you know, uh, any type of situation, man. You just always just, you know, kept my head down and kept pushing. Um, so it definitely means a lot, you know, to, to finally be able to, you know, uh, get an all-star under my belt. And, uh, you know, it don't stop here. I got to continue to keep going and keep pushing and uh, keep being the same me for the third straight year, you know, just to, you know, continue to, you know, keep growing, um, you know, as a player and as a person. And, man, the numbers are there. The game is there. I don't really have to, you know, say much. I think if you watch if you watch White Sox baseball every every game, you know what you know what I'm coming to the field to do. Um, you know what I'm capable of doing. It's even sweeter, man, because, you know, I, I came up in this organization. And, uh, you know, for me to just to grow each year right in front of the fans and, and, and right in front of this organization, man, it says a lot that, you know, man, the grind is real. You know, uh, I put the work in, man, and I just continue to, you know, try to get better, you know, day in, day out. And, uh, you know, now it's showing and, and uh, it don't stop. You know, I got to continue to keep working and keep pushing, man, and, uh, you know, try to be the best that I can be. Uh, you know, just for me to get this, you know, uh, to get recognized and, you know, be an all-star, man, it's definitely a pretty cool feeling. I'm, I'm excited about this one. Yeah, you can't tell me that these guys don't care about being there, especially when it's your first time. And Tim, defying the odds of being a White Sox position player drafted and developed by them to to make it to an all-star team. And it's just it's really cool. And we love T.A. for a lot of reasons. Obviously, he produces on the field. He's a great face of the franchise off it, a charitable dude. Uh, he's good with the media, uh, even when he tries to get me fired. Yeah, fuck it. We're the best team in the American League. I haven't forgotten about that. Um, <laughs> and now you can say, the White Sox can say that. They're back in that spot now where they are the, the best team in the American League, uh, record-wise anyway. And uh, I had a little correspondence after that you know thing in the preseason where Tim came on uh, with on uh, Parkinson Spiegel and was talking about you know the the season and where he made those the famous quote there he, he followed me on Twitter and uh, I had not corresponded with him or really even tweeted at him because you know I don't want to spoil it I'll say something mm-hmm. dumb and get the unfollow real fast uh, but I felt like this was worthy of reaching out to Tim so I I, I, I slid into his DMs and uh, I, I said this to him I said congrats you're the best example of things working out like they're supposed to. Uh, really love watching you play and have fun when you come on the radio with us. You're a great representation of the franchise. Have fun in Denver. Go celebrate with some bomb seafood at LP Steamers and be more tonight. And that was a great place that Brendan McCaffrey and I went to that all the uh, a lot of the Orioles players frequent. So I don't know if Tim's a seafood guy, but he responds, uh, appreciate you with the, uh, the, the muscle flex emoji. So uh, that was nice of him to get back to me. But I meant everything I said, man. I mean, I think if you look at his body of work over the past two seasons winning the batting title what he did in 2020 his postseason in 2020 I think it was it was really meant to be and the best players usually find their way to be in the game and although yes you could say he wasn't voted in and he didn't have one of the better years for shortstops but I think in terms of, of guys just being one of the faces of the game and one of the best players in the game 
may not have the best 2021 so far, uh, but I think things are meant to be in this way, and that that's what I meant by that. And it's just glad to see that he's going to be there. And I think tomorrow we're going to preview uh, this All Star game and this this uh, this dismal White Sox history of of All Star appearances, and we're going to see if Tim can can break the mold there. So uh, I thought that was just really cool that Tim's going to be there, and finally we don't have to just wait for a pitcher to get in there. I think Tim will get at least one at bat, and maybe he can make the most of it. So uh, good stuff right there. All right, uh, other news, real quick here. We got to cover this. Guess what, Herbie? Hmm. Eloy's coming. <laughs> First pitch. Jimenez cracks into left field. This one back and gone. Welcome back, Eloy Jimenez. A shot into deep left field. It extends the lead to nine to six. He's back and he's feeling great. <laughs> Absolutely, and I'm feeling great seeing that video of Eloy on Saturday night. They had the rain out down in Winston-Salem, but they were finally able to get on the field, and Eloy had himself a big night with his uh, first home run there. Um, it was good to see, man. Good to see. It's going to be uh, quite an addition to this lineup when he gets here. Yeah, I just can't wait until he gets these uh, amount of reps down there he needs. They were talking about 20 days down there in the minor leagues just to see the fatigue, see how he handles the bat. But I'm taking the under. Exactly. <laughs> the first swings looks like Eloy, and I love that uh, buttons are optional down there in the minor leagues too. The man's got like one button on and the chain's popping. I love it, love it. It's dripping swag. And, you know, I feel sorry for that, triple, that single A pitcher just trying to, you know, work through get to the next level. He's like, yeah, Lloyd Jimenez is here today. Son of a bitch. What the fuck? He's like, <laughs> somebody do a rain dance. And the guy on Friday got a uh, got his wish. But, man, to go against that guy in the majors would be horrible. I can't believe, like, he'll have a story for years to come. Like, man, Lloyd murdered a ball against <laughs> me. It just, it just sounds different. And it's bad. You heard that call. The bat crack was overmodulated right there. It was great. Um, he's ready to go. I just think, you know, people want to take it slow. Don't need him now necessarily. Want to have him and then keep him on the team for the rest of the season. So no need to rush him. When he is actually ready and the soreness goes away, you break through the scar tissue if need be and all that good stuff and the body's back and the conditioning's back, he'll be ready. And, yeah, I think he'll just be the regular alloy. There's, there's no difference with uh, Lloyd. He gets, he heals up quicker. He hits quicker. He hits for power. He's still Lloyd. Yeah, I was really concerned about this injury from from the get go. You know, it, but the follow through looked real good, real clean. You know, so I, it, it, some guys are just ridiculously good healers, and this he's not out of the woods yet, certainly. But for him to be at this point, seemingly a month ahead of schedule, and again. Um, yeah, Hector Gomez, you know, um, looked like he was right when he said it wasn't that bad, but you didn't hear anything about it from the White Sox officials, but it certainly looks like it wasn't as bad as we all had thought. And hopefully there's no setbacks for him along the way. And hopefully we'll have some Luis Robert news, uh, coming soon. And also down at the lower levels, uh, last night, your mean went, went deep again. And, uh, he, he nearly hit a car. Uh, out beyond the fence in left field. There's a guy just pulled up, and all of a sudden there's a baseball coming at him out there in left field. So, you know, he's he's like, don't forget about me, guys. Remember, Herminators? Um, yeah, so we'll see what happens there. But uh, in Baltimore this weekend, the Sox, they get in the sweep. Baltimore. Uh, Baltimore? What's that? Uh, the Sox get the sweep of the Orioles. 
now 19 games over 500, and they've got an eight-game lead over Cleveland, who was rained out in Kansas City, and now have the best record in the American League. Just before we move on to the specific things, just your just thoughts on the state of the team here at the uh, at the All-Star break. I, I look at this thing as bad as things have been throughout the course of the first half with all the injuries and where things started and then the Eloy injury and then all the everything that happened after that considering where they are now I, I gotta tip my cap to Tony man and, and all the the depth of this organization and Rick Hahn for having these guys in there ready to play but I, I do think it's time to give Tony some credit he's got these guys ready to play and I don't think anyone would have suspected that we we're gonna get this type of production from Brian Goodwin and Billy Hamilton, you know, it's just it's a testament to the culture uh, itself more so than than Tony. But I think Tony has a big part of it. But just overall, your thoughts on you got to be pretty happy of, of where the Sox are at this point here at the All Star break. Yeah, you haven't even got like top notch Jose Abreu or Yohan Moncada yet. Even though Yohan Moncada, I think, is having a nice solid year through the injury he sustained, but you haven't got the power button up from him. Rookies coming up. Andrew Vaughn's looking good. Crochet looks like he's uh, rebounded. Nick Magical, when he was in there, was doing well in the first half. Tim Anderson's an all-star. Of course, we got our two starting pitchers who are aces on any staff and our two aces in Lance Lynn and Carlos Rodon. This team, and yes, I give credit to Rick Hahn for a team that I didn't think had a lot of depth. When they're starting Nick Williams at the beginning of the year, I'm like, you don't have depth. And Adam Eaton <laughs> started off well, and then he became Adam Eaton again. And kudos to Rick and staff for realizing that, that other people are contributing, and it would be a shame to send Brian, Brian Goodwin on a DFA thing where he's done well, or uh, Jake Lamb, who's right now on the IL, or anybody who's on the Major League roster for keeping Adam Eaton. And they did the right move of releasing him to do this without Luis Robert for – most of the season and all of the season without Aloy Jimenez, I could not be happier. It is a very odd thing that this team, the currently constructed team, is the best team in the American League. It's amazing. Yeah, and one of the guys that stepped in in in, this, in Adam Eaton's stead uh, and provided some left-handed pop is, is Gavin Sheets. And he, he of course, making the homecoming uh, to Baltimore at Camden Yards where, where he grew up and his dad, Larry, was a Baltimore Oriole. And this is one of the coolest moments of the weekend and maybe even of the entire first half. Here's uh, Connor McKnight on the call. That'll bring up Gavin Sheets, who, as we've mentioned a couple of times tonight, is playing in the ballpark he grew up in. His dad, Larry, played here for... Six seasons, hit 84 home runs. His Baltimore Oriole, Gavin, looking for his first here at Camden Yards. As the two ones thrown in, driven out to right. Back goes the right fielder. It is gone. Gavin Sheets has hit a home run in the ballpark he grew up in. Seven to one, White Sox. Gavin's got his dad in the ballpark. His third home run of the season. He's all smiles and high fives heading back into the White Sox dugout. What a moment for the young man. There's dad in the stands smiling, clapping. I'd say he can't believe it, but he's seen Gavin go yard in this ballpark before as a teenager. That is exactly 
what Gavin Sheets came here to do. A really good call by Connor there, setting up the moment there, and just that's just baseball, man. Baseball will do things like that, and just you know, the the story is just is just remarkable, and it was really cool seeing his whole family and friends. The the Gavin Sheets section down there. Did you see the uh, the usher down there at Camden Yards who was getting pissed that everyone was trying to get up uh, and close with Gavin and get their photo and dap him up and all that? The usher was just trying to do his job down there, but he was none too pleased that uh, they were pretty much uh, breaking through the, uh, the the barricade down there to, to give Gavin some love but that that was really cool over the weekend oh yeah and it was awesome to see all the people supporting not only the larry sheets contingents uh but the fans who are white Sox fans who we saw out in pittsburgh going out to baltimore beautiful ballpark by the way and gavin sheets yet yeah, to come back home firstly have a start that he's had uh in the major leagues where he's doing very well for himself and then pretty much what is his first start in the ballpark that he grew up in his dad played well barely played him but the city he he <laughs> recognizes yeah. as his favorite team dad loves uh cal ripkin they're friends and he hits a home run in camden yards i mean that's storybook stuff right there absolutely and a lot, lot of good things to take away from this and i think gavin sheets will probably be one of the casualties uh, once the eloy and Luis robert thing is sorted out and he's certainly proven that he can more than tread water here at the big league level but I just don't think there's any room and he's got the options on, on his side so I think we won't be seeing a ton of him the rest of the way maybe even part of a, of a trade package who knows but that was you, you make the most of your shot when you get it and certainly Gavin Sheets has done that and that was one of my favorite things that happened uh, this weekend uh, another thing that I think you could take away from this series is Saturday and Lucas Giolito coming back strong and I know you can say what you want about the competition but this is one thing that we've been keeping our eye on, and it really changes the, the power dynamic of the American League if Lucas Giolito can return to, to form of 2020 and 2019 and not, worst pitcher of baseball 2018, and we need, we need <laughs> something better than that. And uh, we, we talked about the Josh Donaldson stuff, and his outing against the Tigers was not good last Sunday, but then he comes out on Saturday and uh, and pitches a, a really good ball game. You could tell he kind of got tired at the end there, but uh, the big difference for him in this one is he was able to incorporate that slider a bit more and, and keep hitters honest that way. It was no more just fastball changeup, fastball changeup, you know, peppering the curveball just to give a different look, but he looked pretty good, even though the the competition is what it is. But you're still playing on the road, and they still got some guys that can hit in that lineup. And to for him to hold him down, hold the Orioles down like that, and and look more like a like the Lucas Giolito that we are used to, I think that's could be a good sign going forward in the second half. Yeah, that's we we're talked about it a lot of times that the mental side is probably more um, a driving force for your starts or your appearances in games than the physical side, because you got to feel that you are the best pitcher. You are not the 2018 Lucas Giolito worst pitcher in baseball, but you are the 2019, 2020 version. You're that guy. And don't let that conversation with Josh Donaldson get to you. Don't let the lack of spin rate on your fastball or changeup get to you or curveball change you. Just say, fuck it. They can't hit what I am going to throw. That's kind of what we saw from um, Liam Hendricks after he gave up the home run to uh, Trey Mancini today. The next batter had no chance because he wanted to throw that ball through the damn wall back there, <laughs> and there was no way he was hitting that ball. He had the confidence in that appearance that he lacked in the Trey Mancini one where Trey just 
hit a 98 mile per hour fastball the opposite way with a rocket. And so, yeah, I think mentality and winning versus Baltimore. And you might say, oh, it's just Baltimore. But hell, you saw how tough they are. They give you everything they they want in those games. They're a team that has some decent talent there. And so, yeah, getting Baltimore out and getting a good quality victory like Lucas Giolito has going into the all-star break and get his body arrest, get his mind arrest, come back and say, you know what? I am that pitcher more than I'm the pitcher who showed up mostly for the first half of the season. Absolutely. And I, the confidence is such a huge part of it. Like you said, like a lot of guys, they go through this series, last series before the break, and they're just like, I just got to get through this thing. And, I, you yep. know, you see a lot of people finishing, you know, kind of meekly and just, you know, like Liam Hendricks, like kind of lost focus out there before he gave up that bomb to, to Mancini, you know. But with a guy like Lucas, very cerebral dude, I think that's got to go a long way for him just to, to for him to take a deep breath and realize, okay. I was able to figure some things out on the fly here. There's a lot of guys around baseball are having to figure things out on the fly when you when you take that sticky stuff away. And, you know, we have to make adjustments. That's what this game is about, man. Hitters adjust to you, then you adjust back. So hopefully he can refine this stuff and, and become the Lucas Giolito that we need him to be if he's going to be starting, like, you know, game three of a postseason series, which is where I have him now. But you, that could either be a, a weakness or a strength. So that all depends on what his second half is going to look like. But I thought that was encouraging his outing on Saturday. And you mentioned confidence. I see a kid that's getting confident out there in, uh, in the box, and that's Andrew Vaughn. Sunday's game hits two bombs, a huge reason why they won that ball game. Uh, second home runs, the three-run shot uh, off the righty. They, they, they brought in the righty to face him, and he's able to hit the, the home run opposite field, just raw power going the other way off a right-handed pitcher. We mentioned the struggles this team has had. Not struggles, but if there's one weakness that you want to shore up a little bit uh, or an in- inadequacy in terms of the offensive angle, it's the the production against right-handed pitching. And if Andrew Vaughn's going to rake against everyone, I think that's going to help the rest of the way. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, oh, my God. That guy. Like, going into the break, his freshman year, rookie year, what's he got, 10 home runs? Yeah ridiculous and that first home run mercy he (laughs) murdered that ball i don't i thought he could hit i didn't know the power tool and the pop was that severe that man's got grown man strength as a rookie in the league just he doesn't look it 510 weighs what 195 if that and he crushed that first ball and to go opposite field on the guy who was throwing like 99 also very impressive to right center field. I don't know. Like this was, I guess people said this and our guy, James Fox has been pounding the table about how good this guy is. Andrew Vaughn is just hitting the very bottom of where his potential is going to be. He's starting his league, starting his career. And remember like he'll be like the fourth or fifth or sixth guy you worry about in this White Sox lineup when it's all filled out and he's pretty great that's that's just that's just embarrassment of riches that I cannot believe and we we were promised this and I can't wait till we see this where Andrew Vaughn's like the seven hitter and you're like fuck Andrew Vaughn's taking me deep too I was just gonna say like when, when this thing is finally realized to its full potential and Luis Robert and Eloy come back like he's gonna be down in the lower third of the order I mean that's that's <laughs> fucking ridiculous. Andrew Vaughn with his 300 average <laughs> yeah. yeah and just you know we can't say enough about what he's done 
acclimating himself to left field when when the team needed him to, and that's been a big part of this season too. When you talk about the storylines here, is just just him being able to tread water, never look too overmatched, and now the home runs are starting to come in bunches, and hopefully that's a good sign. He does he's not ready for the All Star break. I guarantee you, this kid wants to keep playing, especially after that day he had on Sunday. Uh, another guy who I want to give some love to here with the big three run shot on Sunday to secure the sweep and in extra innings is Adam Engel. You know, we, this is a big week where we we think about the the health of the franchise. You think about draft picks. You think about developing guys. Talk about Andrew Vaughn, and you know we already know about all the the high picks that are making an impact on this team this year. Zach Collins, Sheets, who we mentioned, TA, and All Star. But when you look at a guy like Adam Engel, who we talked about him at length last year about the strides he made to become a better ball player. Always a top-notch defender, but to be a, a not only adequate with the bat, but to be a threat is so huge. And that, that's just a testament to this organization and, and how they've been run the past few years where you, you stick with a guy like that. And this is, you know, case in point here is why you never give up on someone too quickly. And I never would have thought Andrew Adam Engel was going to be this guy at all. You know, I thought he was he was going to be a fourth outfielder, a guy that would probably still be able to find his way onto a championship caliber roster because the glove is so elite. But that's another guy, man, that that have to take you deep at any point in the ball game if you get lazy out there. And there's a lot of bad bullpens around baseball if you're not one of the top teams. And now Adam Engel can take you deep, man. That that was that was a really good sign after you know picking up his teammate Liam Hendricks after giving up the two run shot. In the ninth inning, that was just huge right there for Adam Engel, and I just you know I don't know if you have anything about Adam Engel, but just it just it's so impressive that after the injuries and then the setback and the comeback and and to contribute the way he has, it's just awesome, and it's again the the moving train mentality. Like everyone is just trying to to keep up with everyone else on the roster, and I, I don't think this is a place we ever thought the White Sox roster would be where Adam Engel is a threat. And and you look at when I saw Adam Engel come up, and that was a tough inning, that 10th inning, because mm-hmm. obviously he started with the runner on second, and Yohan works a nice walk after falling behind. Pito can't get him over. You know, normally we would always say there's no one I'd rather have up in that spot than Jose Abreu, um, you know, but he doesn't come through. And then eventually Engel's up there, and he's able to crush, just absolutely murder a, a three-run bomb there. And it's just a, a testament to this organization, man. And and some things were worth watching through the rebuild for. Adam Engel is one of those success stories. Yeah, and I used to rail on him for just being a guy who's a 4A player, all glove, zero bat. And we've talked about him and Frank Manichito getting together in 2019, revamping that swing, getting a little uh, different uh, mechanism, putting that foot down a little quicker. And wow, what a difference. He is just a complete baseball player where we were saying if they hadn't signed any right fielder, we were fine with him just manning right field this year every day. And you think, I think if he played 150 games in right field slash center field, I think he would put out some decent numbers where people are like, okay, this guy is a major league baseball player, maybe not an all-star, but a player that you can count on every day to give you a quality at bat, to give you some uh, good base running decisions, except for today. He had one uh, little <laughs> gaffe early. He did. Yeah. He made up but, for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you know, he tracks the ball as well as any um, center fielder I've seen uh, with the white Sox. you know, sans the best Luis Roberts, but he's on that same level guys. Luis Roberts just has elite, elite speed when it's comes to tracking balls. Adam Ingles right there. So I, I am very shocked that he is this good. 
and would not be upset if the White Sox didn't go out and get a right fielder to start every day because the Adam Engel, Brian Goodwin thing is kind of working out. Yeah. I like it going so far. And kudos to those guys. They've worked out well. And like you said, there's a culture in there where the pitchers feed off. It's like, okay, Lance Lynn threw something. Rodon's like, I got to throw something. Same thing with Cease. And the hitters are like, man, Tim's out here hitting. Okay. Then Lurie's like, all right, I'm going to go wild in the month of June. Adam Ingle's going to come back from his injury, do, do the same thing. Rookie's going to come up, Jake Berger, Gavin Sheets, whoever. Yermi Mercedes in the first month and a half of the season came up and did the job. There's that culture. I want to lift my teammate up. Even though I'm not of this level, I want to be of this level. Brian Goodwin's headed out of his mind right now. I like the culture that's built there. If it's credit to Tony, cool. Credit to the players, awesome. Just somebody, some force in there is making everybody be very competitive and understand we got to rise to a certain level to reach our where we need to go. That's going to be an all-world defensive Leighton game outfield. If you, if Billy Hamilton sticks on the roster just for the speed that he provides, and then you'll have Luis Robert and Adam Engel out there for for defensive purposes. He, let's say like a a Fenway Park or someplace like that. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like it'll be old school Minnesota. You think you hit a ball in the yes. gap and two guys are there? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> so that's that's the first world problem right there, man. Mm-hmm. Sound like one of them good problems? Absolutely. And uh, as we bring the the wire tie in all together, there we'll take a quick time out. But coming up next segment, what's going on with Michael Kopech? We'll try to figure it out next year on Locked On White Sox. This episode of Locked On. White Sox is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season's in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Money lines every night, over unders. It's all there for you if you enjoy betting on baseball at Bet Online. They've got all the other sports too: NBA Finals coming to a close, football futures, golf. I've talked to you about some of the crazy fun prop bets they have going on at Bet Online. Got some new ones here just added. Aside from the alien abduction props, which I always enjoy, they have who will Bill Gates date next? What about Jeff Bezos? Who will marry first, Bezos or Gates? You can place a bet on that. Before the next pitch, head to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get in on the game as teams prep for their runs to the postseason. Head to the website and use your mobile device today to sign up and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Um, one last thing, Herb. What are they doing with Michael Kopech? He, he comes on back-to-back days, which is nice. He works two innings total this weekend. He strikes out literally everyone he faces, six punch-outs on the weekend. But what are they doing? I guess the back-to-back outings is good in terms of ramping him up, but I thought you know either one of these days would have been a prime spot for him to go multiple innings, but they did not do that. Um, I What do you think they're doing here? I don't know. I think they're settled that their starting rotation is pretty damn good and that Michael Kopech, while we love the setback, I mean, while we love the not throwing portion of his injury right there, that whole month being out, he set back a little bit with his throwing program. So instead of ramping him back up to maybe pitch a starting role in September, let's just keep him right here at this one inning appearances and he's dominant get him off the mound, and then put some more rest of our guys in the game. Yeah, it's a risky proposition because while he's pitching so well, others are not in the bullpen. They're not Michael Kopech. I think uh, when 
whenever he comes in the game, and we spoke about this the other day, whenever he comes in the game, we're like, all right, it's going to be a clean inning. It's going to be a nice inning. I wish he comes back for another. And I think that's what the White Sox are doing. Like, instead of giving you too much Michael Kopech, they're giving you something that you and him are saying, I need more. I want more. And instead of forcing you with too much or two, three innings of them like they did before, they're just like, okay, he can use this as this is his role this year. Reliever, one inning, maybe one and a third, one and two thirds now since that injury happened. But we're not going to be overusing him. We're going to give him just enough work so he doesn't get bored and dominate when he is out there, but not like we used him early in the year because the innings were, were mounting up. And now with the injury, it's a little late to be ramping him up for a starter role later in the year. Yeah, I don't think I ever – it's weird. They have to straddle that fine line between what the big picture plan for the organization is and Michael Kopech and if he's going to be a starter next year and what's best for the 2021 White Sox and Michael Kopech. And right now I think they're realizing, you know, I think you hit it right there. Like I don't think we're going to see Michael Kopech start a postseason game. Um I think you could see him throw several high leverage innings in a postseason game, and I think that's ultimately what they're going to work him up to. And you know, they're just, it, I, I just think the injuries and everything else hasn't lent itself to him being able to ramp up here. And I, and I don't foresee them doing an aggressive ramp up the rest of the way. I think maybe back to back days, you know, it, multiple innings, back to back days, like two and two, or you know, two innings one day, and then come back for one the next. You know, provided the pitch count is low and the stress pitches are low, I think you you could see that and getting you know because that could be your right-handed arm that we've been talking about that they need desperately uh, in the bullpen. So you know, I, I have no problem with it per se because you know I you don't mess with the rotation right now. It's pretty damn good. Dylan Cease, you know, again the competition argument is fine. Gave up the two runs very early, but then after that locked it in, man. And I don't know how I feel about Dylan Cease starting a playoff game, but you may not need that to happen. So I think they're just going to leave, you know, things right where they are with Kopech and try to ramp them up a bit, but not enough to to start a, a playoff game. I just, you know, I think mm-hmm. why mess with that at, at this point unless you know things naturally progress that way. But certainly at the trajectory that they're at right now, I don't see that happening. It would have to be a pretty aggressive ramp up here, and I don't, I don't think they're going to do that. I think they're going to err on the side of caution. And hey. Uh, we'll talk about this tomorrow, but maybe they've got uh, extensions for Rodon and and, uh, and Lynn lined up, so they know he's not going to be in the rotation <laughs> next year. So you know, maybe that's something that they're thinking about as well. But we're going to talk about that a bit more tomorrow. I'm going to take a quick time out here, and I'm going to ask Herb uh, what his favorite moment of the first half is next here on Locked On White Sox. This episode of Locked On White Sox is brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. Built Bar, it's the best tasting protein bar ever. You got to sign up for the email and text alerts with Built Bar, like I did, because. Then you won't miss out on limited flavors like what they have right now. Grasshopper cookie. It's Built Bar's version of the classic thin mint cookie that you guys all know and love. All the flavor without that sugar, just 150 calories, 17 grams of protein, and just 5 grams of sugar. I'm down 24 pounds now thanks to Built Bar. Been getting those bad sweet treats out of my life, replacing them with Built Bars, and it's worked great. As a matter of fact, I just got my shipment in of my new favorite flavor, German 
chocolate. They are outstanding. They're 180 calories, 17 grams of protein, only five grams of sugar, and just four grams of net carbs. And I only got them because I signed up for their email and text alert. So as soon as my favorite flavor was back in stock, and that's the thing about a lot of these flavors, they sell out quickly. I was able to get in there and get my box of 18 before I go on vacation. So now I won't be without them even on vacation. And there's flavors for everyone at BuildBar.com. Coconut, Cherry Barcia, Raspberry, Mint Brownie, Double Chocolate, Salted Caramel, Strawberry, Orange, Cookies and Cream. There's so many different flavors, an endless variety of flavors depending on what your tastes are. So order today. Get the Grasshopper Cookie or even Raspberry or whatever you like. Built Bar is the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. Isn't that cool? Go to Built.com and use our promo code LOCKED15. That's going to get you 15% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Built Bar, it's the best tasting protein bar ever. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, it's been a, a really fun first half. Stressful, very emotional. I, you know, One of the guys described it as emotional. I think it was Engel the other day, just with the injuries and everything and, and, the, and all the, the weight of the manager situation. And now we can all finally take a breath and take a look back a bit. Uh, but, you know, there's a lot of things that I think of uh, when I think of the, the first half of the White Sox season. What, what's your favorite flashpoint or m- moment or memory or think that, that thing that you think back of uh, instantaneously when you think about the first half of the season? Well, I think about May 16th and May 17th. May 16th was a day where the White Sox were struggling. They came back in the bottom of the ninth and Jose Abreu scores on the wild pitch, if you recall, that hurts himself while doing it they go to a replay he's safe so he doesn't play in the next game microcosm of what happened to the white Sox in the first half they have a guy who goes out and doesn't play he doesn't play in the whole minnesota series the white Sox then go out and play very well and beat the minnesota twins 16 to 4 you had contributions from tim at the top of the lineup nick magical got his first home run of his career in that game if you recall off of j hap uh, you had uh, Moncada getting on base anytime he wanted to. Two hits, two walks. That's the type of season he's had. He's had a 400 on base season. And of course, you had the 3 0 home run by Yermin Mercedes. So it encapsulates everything. Yermin's strong first half. That. I thought it was a flashpoint from him being a great player to being the guy who got demoted to triple a like that's the flashpoint for me. Maybe it's Tony's fault. Maybe it's your mean, maybe it's the major league baseball pitchers adjusting to what your mean was giving them. So it's so much there that, you know, recovering from a devastating injury from your, one of your star players battling through and kicking the ass of your main rival which you thought it would be in this first half, which is the Minnesota Twins, who suck at this time. <laughs> and then getting great to good starting pitching, which Dallas Keiko gave you a seven innings and three earned. Like, this is the encapsulation for me of the first half. The White Sox and Tony Larusa inserting himself into a story that doesn't need to be, but also <laughs> being successful nonetheless. And contributions from Larry Garcia and Danny Mendick. You know, everybody on this team pulling on the same rope, even though it seems like sometimes it's a chaotic thing uh, with the White Sox. And also 
the bullpen problems where they're shaky, but ultimately they get the job done. So that game, that day, those two days kind of encapsulate for me the first half. Well, I I, I like your, where your head's at there, and I think that moment really tested the strength of, of the core and the strength of the clubhouse because I, what I remember about all that is when it was all said and done and they went out there and took care of business against the Twins and they dressed up like Johan Moncada on the team flight uh, onto New York, you know, it was – you know, Lucas Giolito with the quote, you know, we, we like home runs here, you know, and we stand by your mean, you know, and Tim Anderson, you know, the next day, I believe it was before the Yankees series, you know, we're, we're the bad kids that don't listen. You know, they didn't let that controversy. And that was when the attention, national media attention was at its highest on the White Sox was was that couple day stretch there. And they responded like champions, man. And they stuck up for their teammate and they didn't change their identity whatsoever. Um, and it was a good test for them. You know, granted, it was a test thrown at them by their manager, but it, it is what it is. And that's around the time where we start to hear about, you know, Tony creating like a, a John Strawman type of thing or to, for someone to rally against. Like the White Sox are going to rally against their manager, you know, like because they didn't have, you know, as if they didn't have enough adversity. But yeah, that was an interesting stretch there. And that, that's that's a good call. There's a lot of things that I think of in the first half. You know, the Yermin going eight for eight, as you mentioned. You think about Grandal's walk-off against the Rays, a big test at the time. You mentioned the Braves walk-off slide and uh, Madrigal's walk-off versus the Rangers as, as they're trying to figure out the identity of the team early on in the season. That was a big win. The home opener, having people back on the south side, Lance Lynn going all nine, Yermin hitting a bomb in that one. That, that was a good representation. But I got to go back to, to, you know, it's an obvious one here for me, but the Carlos Rodon no-hitter. And if this team is going to win a World Series, it's most likely going to be because Carlos Rodon is a dominant ace. And that his, could be his signature moment of the regular season. Hopefully he gets another one in the postseason in terms of just you know signature moments and put him back on the baseball map. But that no-hitter was just a, such a perfect embodiment of, of the team. You know, Abreu giving himself up for that slide to perfect to uh, protect the no hitter in the bottom of the ninth inning. You know that that showed me all I need to know about this team and how they stick by each other. And just for a guy that's been through hell and back, and Carlos Rodon, you know, how could you not root for that guy in that moment? And you know, I I, I think just if you turn look at the 2021 White Sox and the success, they're two uh, war leaders. Lance Lynn, Carlos Rodon, and we're going to talk about them a lot tomorrow, and hopefully there's more of the same uh, success from from everyone that we've talked about with a little more health, I would say, in the second half. If we can get a little more good luck on the health side, that's fine, but uh, you know that we, beggars can't be choosers here. But on tomorrow's show, we're going to talk about the All-Star game. Now that Tim Anderson's in it, we're going to go over the White Sox dreadful history in the All-Star game and you know go through some of the highs, some of the lows in White Sox history and maybe see if we can make a case for for Tim Anderson making an impact in that game on Tuesday in Denver. And also, we're going to explore, we've hinted at it a couple times and we teased it on Friday's show, but we're going to talk about what Rakan should or what he can do to make sure this rotation is, you know, fortified for 2022. Lance Lynn and Carlos Rodon are slated to be free agents at the end of the year. Can he keep one? Can he keep both? Who should he keep? Uh, you know, so who do we trust? So we're going to talk about that. We had a really good discussion from our mailbag segment last week. We decided to isolate it for a segment uh, on Tuesday's show. So that's all I got. Tomorrow, all-star preview, Lynn and Rodon contract talk, and uh, that's all I got today, Herb. 
All right. That is Chris Tannehill. Follow him on Twitter at Chris Tannehill, me, Herb Lawrence, Ecknerwall23, and at Locked on Socks, Twitter, Instagram, and on YouTube. Want to leave us a voice message or the guys who are going to be sitting in for us? 312-566-8727. 312-566-8727 or LockedOnSocks at gmail.com. And, of course, it's going to be Sean Anderson and our guy Mike Rankin, two score guys and also two big-time White Sox fans in there for us. I don't know if I'm going to give them Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, Tanny, but I'm going <laughs> to probably do the Wednesday show because yeah. I'm going to need to speak about some White Sox things and might do it with them. So, well, yeah. uh, uh, so you'll catch me still, guys. I'm not taking the, the week off because I'm not going anywhere. It's, you know, I and Tanny deserves more than anybody to take a whole week off of this whole thing. I'm surprised you're doing this show today. Uh, hey, we all, I, I love talking about my sacks when they're who, who could not like that, you Six. know, when they're, you know, when they're first place, like, and this is why we signed on to do this. So, you mm-hmm. know, everyone deserves a little time off, but so I'm going to, I'm going to try to, you know, do a couple shows here and I'm looking forward to hearing you guys together and I'm sure you'll break down the draft and, uh and what's going on there so that's no speeding tickets either sir oh no no i learned my lesson uh, i think we we passed pittsburgh uh, with flying colors i don't think you have to worry <laughs> about that i utilize that cruise control uh going to pittsburgh so we'll do the same up in michigan so uh, that's good that's all i got all right that is chris Tannehill. i am herb lawrence thank you for joining us on this edition of locked on socks <laughs>